0: very strange when a group of writers and other people from a major television show, especially a comedy show, that has basically become a political propaganda tool. The uh, started out as the Colbert Report. Now I don't even know what his show is. It's Let's Get Trump Tonight, basically. It's always been that way lately for that show. Uh, Stephen Colbert's uh, late show has generally been something of a real twist from what it used to be, um, where comedy rotated around different topics, you know? And it wasn't just always bash the Democrats, hit Trump, bash the Democrats, hit Trump, you know, uh, the type of thing. I'm sorry, bash the, Trump, bash the Republicans and Trump. Bash the Republicans and Trump. Bash conservatives and Trump. Hit straight people and Trump. Make white people feel bad at Trump. You know, that that was all their their basic comic line. And one of their major enemies, or at least for the liberal left and the loonies that make them up, is his fascination and anger at a congresswoman from Georgia by the name of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, Greene accused, on the floor of Congress, in, in a speech, um, you know, her uh, the entire team of about six people who were arrested for wandering around the halls of Congress after hours right outside her office, she has photographs, uh, she has uh, uh, information that this entire team tried to basically break into her office for whatever reason is unclear and uh, for what extended purpose is, well, criminal. Uh, <laughs> there's a code of conduct when you, when you enter the halls of Congress um, whether it's uh, as a visitor or, or to go in, somebody has to let you in and the people who let in um, this crew was actually a, a Democrat who serves on the uh, January 6th committee that is going up to President Trump see that whole cycle of get Trump get the Republicans Go after people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, make anyone normal, feel bad. Uh, It's that whole thing, you know. Anyhow, let's listen to what Marjorie Taylor Greene has to say about why she feels she was targeted, what it was all about, and uh, her point of privilege that she raised on the House floor.
1: Well, we also had a situation on June 16th, just last week there was a certain uh, film crew that works for Stephen Colbert, had been basically uh, stalking me all day long, going throughout, following us around here. My staff was very helpful in putting me in the car and keeping me away from them. They ended up outside my office. My staff took me somewhere else so I didn't have to go there. But then, now we find out that it was a, a certain Democrat member who's serving on the January 6th committee, who let them in the buildings. And then when the Capitol Police threw them out, it also happened to be Congressman Jake Auchincloss and Tim Hysom staff that let them back in late at night. And you know whose office they were going to? Mine, my office. So this is, this is more behavior where I feel, I, I don't feel safe. I feel like my life is constantly threatened. I'm constantly harassed. And this is no way for anyone to have to do work here. This place should not be run like this. This shouldn't be allowed. Now, while the January 6th committee is currently accusing one of my colleagues, Representative Barry Loudermilk, of giving tours, which is a lie about him, they're lying about him and saying he did something he did not do. They, at the same time, were letting these people in all in our office buildings. Who uh, We don't even know where all they went, but they know. And the Capitol Police know. They were allowing them to go everywhere as if they're doing some sort of insurrection. Why is that being allowed? Why do they get to have tours and free reign running all around the hallways and attacking members offices. But then we get accused of something horrible. This is wrong. This, is, You know what people care about? People care about inflation. They can't afford groceries. Mothers can't find baby formula. Women can't find tampons. People can't afford gas. People are so upset about crime. People are so upset that no one cares that we even have a border. These are the things that people care about. We don't care about the petty, ridiculous garbage that happens in this place. But this is what we're dealing with because the Department of Justice will not prosecute any of these crimes. And it's all about politics. Isn't, our politics disgusting? I'm so sick and tired of politics. The whole reason why I ran for Congress is because I was upset that we're a nation in, in debt that we'll never be able to repay. And I have three children and I hope to God I have grandchildren and I don't know what's going to happen to their lives. I was upset because our economy is so fragile and at risk of crumbling. I was upset because our nation had been shut down over a virus and we should have never been shut down. I was upset because I feel like we have the greatest country in the world but it's this place that doesn't respect it. And the American people, I respect them far more than I respect this institution because the American people work their tails off. They pay their taxes, they balance their checkbooks, and they do everything they can to get by. But here, we play political games. Where chiefs of staffs who know better attack women Over our religious beliefs and about the fact that we refuse to back down about there being only being two genders. Good evening and welcome to Tucker
2: Carlson tonight. So last Thursday, last week on Thursday, talk show host Stephen Colbert dispatched a group of seven of his employees to Washington, D.C. Their job break into the U.S. Capitol complex and harass lawmakers inside. So the group dutifully arrived in the afternoon and were met almost immediately by uniformed Capitol Hill police officers who threw them out. But apparently on a rush from Colbert, they returned. At about 4 p.m. on Thursday, the group re-entered the building. Accounts vary as to what exactly happened next, but it seems clear that Colbert's employees were led inside by an ally within the building. That would be a freshman member of Congress from Massachusetts called Jake Auchincloss. Once on federal property, Colbert's employees did what they came to do, which was disrupt the business of Congress. And apparently they were not subtle about doing it. They pounded on doors and yelled. Whatever they did, it got people's attention. It takes an awful lot for a police force controlled by Nancy Pelosi to arrest a group of left-wing entertainment figures. But that's exactly what happened next. Capitol Hill police arrested seven Colbert employees and brought them to jail. All seven of them were charged with unlawful entry. Now, that's the identical charge that hundreds of January 6th defendants have been prosecuted for. But unlike January 6th defendants, Colbert's employees were not sent to the D.C. jail for a year and a half in solitary confinement. No, they were released after only a night behind bars, and then they fled back to New York. Why is that? What exactly is the difference in the crime? As a legal question, we still don't know the answer. For some reason, Capitol Hill police have not released the surveillance tapes that would show exactly what Colbert's employees did that so triggered the police force controlled by Nancy Pelosi, that they were arrested.
0: So as you listen to the explanation from uh, Tucker Carlson, and I think uh, basically the outburst from uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene prior to that talks about it, you know, uh, members of the Congress are not supposed to be disturbed while they're carrying out their duties. You know, that's just, Part of uh, how government functions, because members of Congress have important roles to fulfill, and that's why they are paid a decent salary, and they're supposed to be doing that job and not be disturbed by comedians. Um, essentially, that is that is a major problem that many um, people face who work in Congress, because a lot of these entertainment shows and comedians and gag shows and whatnot—they all think, well, you know, it's just uh, you yeah, know, they, 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 look at what Congress does and I don't know if they, they understand. I don't know if they, they
3: comprehend.
0: Uh, honestly, I think they are somewhat lost in the entire presentation and, uh, how they, uh, come up with what exactly they are, uh, uh, talking about doing and these are the issues these are the things these are the topics a lot of people are concerned about because as marjorie taylor green pointed out earlier more people are concerned with food supply more people are concerned with um you know the activities of uh for example uh what exactly members of the house are doing uh, to make gas prices more stable and not change 50 cents every few days causing more strain on them and their families you know um, there are efforts it would seem to to not do that and this is something that we really have to look at and figure out how this can be encouraged how respect can be restored because unfortunately public sentiment about congress is really low and they're not all that popular we'll be right back Major topic I've been discussing of late, and in fact, in the article that I recently wrote has to do with the uh, issues surrounding the People's Republic of China. And the unfair business practices, at least this is what the United States uh, Commission on uh, China, basically. The, uh, uh, essentially, their their complete uh, look at the entire situation as seen by the US-China Economic and Security Review Commission, uh, which is part of Congress. Its job is to look at uh, what exactly the People's Republic of China is doing, because they are a near peer rival, and uh, how they are doing things to compete in business with the United States, and doing it in ways that, well, are just unfair as far as business practices are concerned. No European company has been doing the same thing. In fact, no company from India, Pakistan, Japan, Australia, uh, anywhere else in the world but China are doing the same things. One common method they've been using is proxies, dummies. Essentially, they find somebody that they can buy uh, a hollow shell, kind of like a Joe Biden, um, and, and, and put them up and put them, put them in charge of something ostensibly. But they run things like a puppet master, like crazy um, and all the other people that, Are involved with the People's Republic of China and uh, essentially what they do is they run them. Some people think this has been happening for some time in the United States with some members of different government elected positions and some in actual government positions themselves. Whenever topics come up involving the People's Republic of China they suddenly seem to do one job and one job only and that is to defend the PRC, even if their oath is to protect and defend the Constitution of the people of the United States of America. Something strange going on there. Well, let's listen to what the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission said. Uh, first, you're going to hear from, uh, I believe, this is uh, the uh, co-chairs uh, for for this thing, uh, primarily led by the uh, 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 chairman woman or, or commissioner, rather, uh, Robin Cleveland, uh, who made a, uh, basically this uh, this discussion into this commission's uh, hearing that is looking at China's trade practices, promoting interests of U.S. workers, farmers, producers, and innovators, and protecting them from uh, unfair business practices, from uh, IP... Or intellectual property loss and other issues. Let's listen it
4: um, As we look forward, um, I'm curious what we know about uh, Chinese firms' operations overseas, especially using Chinese purchase companies as a way of establishing an entry point to U.S and uh, the EU single market system. I think Ms. Garcia Guerrero, you raised this in your testimony, and I think Ms. Nikitar, you did as well. So do we have sufficient data to assess how they may be using companies that they buy as a backdoor to circumvent trade policies? So, you know, it's it's a really good question because our government doesn't collect this kind of data. Uh, so everything is is sort of anecdotal. Um, but we know through the cities and then in, in the, my testimony, I should say, the huge gap that's created by greenfield investments and that we don't review those. I mean, that's pretty horrific. Um, so whether it's it's a sort of a foreign acquisition of an existing company, and then, you know, I, I mentioned sort of some problems we have with mitigation agreements, or if it's greenfield investment, one, we don't collect data to see how adverse sort of the predatory practices are, um, our government. Maybe you should really start looking and collecting data like that, Um, but also, so we have a lot of anecdotal information, right? And so we have Chinese acquisition of companies that basically bankrupt their companies, steal the IP and bankrupt the companies. We have, we see economic disruptions that have been caused by investments in the U.S. market, but then the Chinese companies are bringing in subsidized goods and then making things more cheaply here and then wiping out the domestic industry. And by the time the domestic industry now wants to bring some kind of action, they've been wiped out and they're weak and they don't meet the, um, the statutory tre- threshold. And there's this other notion of you set up a business in the United States, a medical business, or you hire a bunch of engineers. Medical business, now you're getting people's genetic data, sensitive information, or you hire engineers and you use the U.S. ecosystem sort of to develop high-tech products. And then once you, you're done with the company, you shut it down in the new production overseas. I mean, they are, the, the Chinese government, they're very um, keen on using every vector in the United States to get in our economy, and our allies' economies, and just exploit, exploit, exploit. And the fact that we've just basically allowed the market to take care of it, we have at least two, three decades of evidence saying, guys, the market hasn't taken care of it. Let's study it. Let's figure it out. And let's put an end to this.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Just as a quick clarifying yes or no question, my understanding is Commerce has the statutory authority to to get the data that Commissioner Cleveland just asked for, but is not utilizing. Is that correct?
4: So there's two points. So yes, Commerce has a statutory authority. So you have the Defense Production Act uh, ability. Uh, the Bureau of Economic Analysis Census collects a lot of data. The problem is twofold. The Defense Production Act survey authority, you can't make some of the key findings public and we've got to figure out how to resolve that and then the um census bureau of economic analysis data also by statute there's not much they can release publicly so it's fine and great the government's sitting on all this data they're certainly not doing anything about it and then the rest of the people who want to give recommendations don't have access to the data to um do anything and this is really just a fundamental problem that we've been dealing with for decades
3: thank you uh commissioner fiedler I want to revisit uh, Mr. Preskowitz's testimony. Uh, You indicate that it's not enough to just look at trade. You got to look at investment. Uh, Nazak, you were talking about uh, how to use, established trade law to apply across the board to various government agencies. It appears that the United States is unable to uh, construct its own house to deal with a unique threat that China poses. So, for instance, we have uh, the SEC says we don't have uh, country-specific laws or regulations, but we have a country-specific problem. In China, in, in a way that we have not had with any other country apparently in history, or, or certainly recent history. Uh, how do we get, how do we construct a regulatory system that is uh, competent to deal with what everybody thinks is the Threat. I don't want to have to describe the threat again, but uh, we're co- we're calling China a competitor as opposed to an adversary official, and that may color what's going on. Uh, how do we? How does the United States government that doesn't coordinate very well anyway? How do we get them to coordinate against this singular threat? So. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think the point you made is that we are—we have since the early uh, 1980s um, we have uh, dealt with China on the basis of the assumption that by engaging in the kind of open, free market, free trade, free investment that we engage in with the EU or with Japan or other uh, uh, market economies, that China would reciprocate, that China would, um, in Bob Zelik's words, become a responsible stakeholder in the uh, rules-based global order. Um, That has been a huge mistake. Uh, China does not intend to be a responsible stakeholder in what it considers to be our uh, global economic order. It intends to build its own economic order. Um, and so um, I think you used the term adversary. Um, I think we need to begin to think of China as an adversary, uh, an across the board adversary. It's not just. In fact, it's not even primarily a military adversary; it's primarily a technological and economic adversary. Um, and, and and if we think about it that way, um, then we do have the cap. We have the legal capability, and we have the um, bureaucratic capability to, as uh, as Nizak said, to not only collect data but to. Share it, uh, and even to make it tool. I, I don't think it's so much a failure or an absence of U.S. legal capability. I think it's much more a problem of, of attitude and and kind of uh, uh, arriving at, at a shared uh, perspective uh, on the reality of China. <laughs>
0: So basically what they're saying is that uh, currently the way the uh, monitoring systems of the United States are set up as far as uh, you know, issues surrounding the uh, People's Republic of China and, and how it does business, it is basically become a predatory situation. Now, you were listening there, the last speaker was uh, Clyde uh, Prestowitz, a founder President of uh, Economic Strategy Institute, um, and uh, we also had uh, the uh, partner of uh, Wiley uh, Rain. Uh, her testimony uh, that was uh, Nazak Nika uh Nikastar Nikatar uh, Nazak Nikatar, who was uh, who was speaking also earlier there with uh, uh, Commissioner Cleveland and uh, the um, uh, other commissioners who were present um, at this uh, hearing uh, that took place uh, just recently uh, in Washington, D.C. And uh, how exactly it took place, uh, you had uh, a very clean and keen review. And I hope our listeners here on Mike of New York kind of get a picture of what's going on. And uh, we'll we'll be going back and forth more to the U.S.-China Economic Security Review Commission, getting more information, more soundbites from them, because I think more Americans need to hear about this. I think more people, not just Americans, but people all over the world, whether you're in the Philippines, whether you're in Thailand, Taiwan, uh, wherever. Because uh, it's it's plain talk, and it's scientific talk, and it's real studies about what's going on with the People's Republic of China and what exactly they are doing uh, to the U.S. economy. And, uh, to, to the situation of, at, at heart. And, uh, you know, the, uh, U.S.-China, uh, review commission, um, is basically saying that, well, it's time for the U.S. to, uh, view China, uh, one of the recommendations, as an adversary. Not an enemy, but an adversary. And, uh, Work with them accordingly when it comes to trade and business and, and stop thinking of them as a, as someone that will follow, uh, you know, the rules of the general agreement on tariff and trade and, and, and other things. It's been going on for 20 years now and the American industry has suffered. American business has suffered. Many people are out of work because of thousands of companies that have been shut down and you know, deliberately uh, put down basically and, and undercut in order to make China uh, more of a dominant player. I'm Mike of New York, and uh, that's the for me for now. And we will be back with more as the day, day continues. Have a great day.